Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the language, the language podcast, the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. You're here. You're in the right place. Uh, just in time to hear me get myself into a little bit of trouble because um, today I am going to talk about something which, uh, you know, is probably wrong, but I, I it's something that I hear people say so often and I'm thoroughly sick of it. So I wanted to kind of go on record and give my views on using children's books to learn a language and why I think it's complete nonsense that children's books are a good way to set about learning a language. Okay. Before we do that, I'd like to thank the wonderful sponsors of the show, um, who really have nothing to do with children's books, which <laughs> it just like in and that just for that reason alone makes me a great fan. And it is of course iTalkie, where you can get speaking lessons, speaking practice, or even full language lessons with teachers from all over the world, from the comfort of your living room or your car. Some people I know take iTalkie lessons in their car because it's a way to get out of the office. Anyway, you can get a free lesson and see what all the fuss is about by going to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash free lesson. All right, then let's talk about children's books. Now, before I go off on, 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 the, on this rant, I would just like to say that children's books can, of course, be a fantastic resource if they are carefully selected and used in the right way for the right kind of person. Because... I think anything can be a good resource in language learning. Old methods like grammar translation uh, can be a wonderful method and have worked for many people. But you see, I like in the last episode, episode 273, the rules of language learning part two, I mentioned that you should never take language learning advice from native speakers. And it's not because native speakers never have anything useful to say, because of course they, they, they can do. But, but, as someone that works in language learning and deals with this stuff day in, day out, you start to get, you start to see patterns and you start to hear the same stuff from people over and over again, which is just, it's just ill-considered and not, it doesn't come from experience. And, uh, and so, you know, in exactly the same way that I, I get sick of hearing native speakers say, oh, you should just watch movies, then you'll become fluent overnight. Because, they don't have anything else, any other advice to offer. So they, they just say the first thing that comes into their head. Uh, and so it is with children's books. The It comes from a good place, I think. And when people advise you to use children's books for language learning, I think it the intention is a good one. And, and the thought process is a, is a rational one. It's much like when people say, well, kids are the best language learners. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an observation based on the fact that people watch kids learn their mother tongue as if by magic. And so from that, you deduce that kids soak up language and they are the best language learners. They can learn any language. And of course, that's only a small part of the truth. And if you put kids in a foreign language class twice a week, like adults do, then they're going to, they're not going to learn a thing. And when it comes to children's books, people's thought process goes like this. They think, all right, well, kids don't, are still learning their 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 mother tongue, so that means that kids' books are simple. That means that because kids' books are simple, that must be a good way for learners 
for adult learners to start learning the language because the kids' books are simple. So it's a good thing. You follow the logic, right? I have some sympathy with that. I can understand why people would think that. It just happens to be wrong, and I'm going to show you why that's the case um, today. And I think also by way of context, I'm going to give you a read out a comment that I received, I think on YouTube. I won't say who it was, but you can probably find it if you want. Um, and it goes like this. Uh, the comment, by the way, is it was in reaction to, um, I think, to a video where I was introducing my Italian project, my, my project to learn Italian. And um, I was talking a lot about input. Um, but it turns out that in that video, I didn't mention comprehensible input, uh, which as you as a podcast listener, you will know is uh, not deliberate because I talk about comprehensible input all the time. But in this particular video, basically, I, w- I was saying, I think, that my whole plan for the first month of learning Italian was tons and tons of input. Uh, I think in my mind, it kind of goes without saying that that has to be comprehensible. I'm not going to sit and watch movies for a month. Anyway, here's what the comment read. I find it interesting that you said input, but did not emphasize the need for comprehensible input. I highly encourage you to read children's fairy tales and adaptations during this month-long effort to learn Italian. Children's material is written with simpler grammar and higher frequency words than adult material. If you could compare the Ollie that only read and listened to native kids' material in Italian for a month versus the Ollie that reads adult native material in Italian for a month, I can guarantee you, you will have acquired more vocabulary and grammar with the kids' material because of the severe repetition of high-frequency words found in kids' books and kids' TV shows. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. He talks about Japanese for a little bit. Um, It's that way for native children, and it works best that way for non-native learners as well. All right, so first of all, I don't like it whenever anybody turns around and says, that's best. It works like this. Because that, in my mind, shows an, a sort of a, a poverty of thinking and a, infl- a lack of flexibility in thinking, which does not lead to helpful conversation in general, but especially in, in, the, in, the, in the realm of language learning. This kind of dogma is, is always <clears throat> unhelpful. Now, of course, I, I, you'd be probably justified in saying, well, Ollie, you're always telling us what the best thing is. But... You, 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 what I'd say is that whenever I do come down on the side of a particular strategy, I always take great care to give both sides of the argument and to also discuss why I think something is is, is the way it is, and to, to back that up with 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 research, with uh, with literature in, the, in 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 linguistics or in language learning, or also from my own experience from a variety of different angles. Now, I guess this person's kind of doing that as well. It, it just uh, it just happens to be wrong because the assumptions are completely flawed. Let's look at a few of these the things that he says here. Children's material is written with simpler grammar and higher frequency words than adult material. Right. I think I think we're just gonna <clears throat> we can just take that sentence as the springboard for the rest of the podcast. Children's material is written with simpler grammar and higher frequency words than adult material. Okay. <clears throat> I think what I'm gonna do. Now, I'm not I'm not even going to try to explain why I think that's wrong. I'm going to read you some material from three children's books that I've picked out here that are intended for different ages. And I'm just going to read a random uh, selection of uh, 
of passages from these three books, and you can come to your own conclusions about whether they are written with simpler grammar and higher frequency words than adult material. Okay? And um, included in this is a fairy tale, which this person has also suggested is uh, will be a good thing. I'll put a link to all of these in the show notes as well. So if you'd like to see these books or maybe buy them for, for, for your kids, uh, you can. Um, they all seem to be great books uh, for uh, native speakers, uh, for, for, for first language learning anyway uh, so the, the the link to the show notes for this page with all these resources is i will teach you a language.com forward slash episode 274 all right so first of all i'm going to read you a select a section from jack and the flum flum tree um by julia donaldson who is a very well known uh, an incredible um incredible uh, writer for, for for kids books She's the kind of writer that has entire sections in bookshops dedicated to to her books. So here we go, uh, from the opening of the book. Jack had a granny, and his granny had spots. Great big purple ones, lots and lots. The doctor came, and he shook his head. Your granny had the mo- has the moozles, the doctor said. And the only cure in the world, said he, is the fruit that grows on the flum-flum tree. And the only place that the flum flum grows is the far away isle of blow your nose. So Jack built a boat and Jack found a crew, red cheeked Rose and stubble cheeked Stew. And he said to Stew and he said to Rose, we're off to the isle of blow your nose. Granny came down to the dock with Jack and she gave him a bulgy patchwork sack. And in that sack were a pair of wooden spoons, a porridge bowl, tent pegs, some red and blue balloons, granny's old skipping rope, a pack of chewing gum, three spotty hankies and a tom-tom drum. Ah, Okay, I think uh, that's probably enough. You get the idea. So that book's probably intended for like three-year-olds or so. Let's move on now to Hansel and Gretel. Um, of course, a very, uh, is it, does it count as a fairy tale or a fable? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, the kind of book that kids, the classic story that kids would read, right? So um, I'm reading from a, a preview on Amazon here because I, I don't have this book. But um, anyway, I'll, I'll just read a passage from this. One fine and sunny day, all that changed. Something wicked came out of the forest and she wasn't a wolf. She was worse than the worst wolf could ever be. She was a witch, a warty old witch with gnarled skin like ancient tree bark, a nose like crab claw, and her eyes glowed red as blood. Like all witches, she was horribly cruel. Her greatest pleasure was to use her evil powers, all her wicked spells and enchantments, to cause as much mischief and suffering and grief as she possibly could. And the witch often didn't look like a witch at all. It was nothing for her to change herself into anything or anyone she wanted to be, but what she yearned for as the year uh, as year by year she became older and uglier, as she ached more and more in her bones, as her eyesight grew dim and clouded with age, was to be young and beautiful. Okay, Hansel and Gretel. Now, moving on, up the age range slightly, we've got Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which needs no introduction. And finally, bird watchers everywhere have reported that the nation's owls have been behaving very unusually today. Although owls normally hunt at night and are hardly ever seen in daylight, there have been hundreds of sightings of these birds flying in every direction since sunrise. Experts are unable to explain why the owls have suddenly changed their sleeping pattern. 
The newsreader allowed himself a grin. Most mysterious. And now over to Jim McGuffin with the weather. Jim, uh, going to be any more showers of owls tonight? Well, Ted, said the weatherman, I don't know about that, but it's not only the owls that have been acting oddly today. Viewers as far apart as Kent, Yorkshire and Dundee have been phoning in to tell me that instead of the rain I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars. Perhaps people have been celebrating bonfire night early. It's not until next week, folks, but I can promise a wet night tonight. (sighs) So... Should you use children's books to learn languages? I'm going to leave that one up to you. Questions, comments, concerns, reactions, criticisms, please direct them all at IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash episode 274. See you back in the next episode of the I Will Teach You A Language podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free memory course. 